Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to In The Pocket, the bass guitar podcast where we get the low down on the low end. My name's Johnny, a totally average bass player, and each week I'm joined by a different co-host to talk all about that bass. So this week I'm very lucky to be joined by a man of many talents. Bass player for bands such as Clockwork, Metal Covers Band Generations, Electro Pop Artist Darla Jade, and just, you know, general tonal connoisseur, um, it's Danny Higgins. Hey, Johnny. Hello, sir. How the flip are you? Ah, I'm, go- I'm good, man. I'm good. Just looking forward to gigs and that. I bet you are so excited for those. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because since my last gig, I've kind of overhauled a lot of the bass rig. <laughs> I was I was just thinking, like, for my first gig, I'm going to be like, ooh, I don't know how this is going to go. with all, all Literally, all new gear. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of, like, twiddling of pedals on stage, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'm going to be there, like, I've overhauled all of my Helix presets, and then I picked <laughs> up the dark glass head. So oh, it's yeah. just going to be completely different. But absolute tonal bliss, no doubt. So to introduce our guests each week, I'm just going to ask them three different questions. Uh, and the first one is three words to describe your bass playing. What three words would you use, Danny? Complimentary. Effects. Pedals. I like that a lot. Complimentary. Why, why complimentary? Well, because it's like when you're writing bass parts, it doesn't really work if you're just completely serving yourself. You've got to compliment what the vocals are doing. Sometimes you could play a unison line with the vocals and that would really work and drive the song forward. Other times you have to completely leave your ego at home and just play eight through notes. Yeah, at, there's a time and a place. And that's very similar to like, I think, what was that I said for mine? Like functional, I said for mine. So I think we're going at like the same thing there where like, yeah, show off where 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 the song demands it, but your your role is to serve that song, isn't it? I think they're very good words to describe it. And effects is something that I think that if if anyone if if nobody's here follows Danny on any social media, you should definitely uh, go and do it. Uh, your Instagram is it just at Danny Higgins on Instagram? Um, it's at Higgins underscore bassist. Fantastic. Yeah, go and follow him because you're always posting awesome covers and just bits about the bands that you're playing in and there's always a bit of a bit of knowledge that i pick up about whether it's about uh, helix stuff or pedals yeah great stuff so moving on to these are meant to be quick fire questions and they're never quick fire (laughs) Uh, so the next one for you is what is your number one base oh now that's a tough one it's like choosing between your children yeah because there's like three that i'd say are my go-to's like my Gibson Grabber, my Sire P7, and then my Spectre Euro. They're all like so different as well. Yeah. 
but it's there awful. isn't one there wasn't one out of those that you'd go yeah it's good. if i have to have just one it's gonna be that one I, that's a really tough one because with clockwork generations and darla the euro is like my go-to base mm. but then when i do guest sessions and stuff a lot of the time i'm using the p because it's a p base yeah it fits all Everything. of the uh, all of the genres all of the mixes yeah it's just a uh... There's a reason why it's uh, stuck around so long. So I'm going to take the Spectre as the answer because I know you want that Spectre, you know, uh, sponsorship, uh, <laughs> that endorsement. <laughs> I want them to make me a signature model that's just a standard oh. Euro but purple. Oh, please. Oh, I've just got, I, I, mean, I mean, we can see each other here, but we won't be able to see it on the podcast. But I've got my, my purple base behind me and I never knew I needed a purple base until I got one. Pink all day, all day, but purple. I need a purple one for a dollar. It just suits the aesthetic. Yes, it really, really would. That's your next... uh, I'm going to be having a lookout for that for you now. (laughs) You're going to be bombarded. Like, I've Um, found... like There are two Spectres, I think, that are currently in production. They've got the Euro LT, which they do in, like, a transviolet. And then that's got Bartolini pickups and I think a dark glass preamp, which is a bit of an odd setup, but... Because yeah, I cool. that is a strange combination actually. Because I always think like Bartolini's are quite, I don't say what's the word to use, like flat sounding. Like they're just like here is the sound, and yeah, like they're quite lo-fi. They're... I find whereas the dark yeah. preamps are very much the opposite. Yeah, interesting combination. I find the same with like Bartolini and Aguilar, like quite similar um, vibes. I get off of those yeah, two, and that, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they're necessarily for me. Um, I prefer, you know, the, the more the hotter pickups, higher output, um, that kind of thing to get that clang to cut through that mix. Um, we are, you know, quick fire questions, like I said. <laughs> My God. Um, okay, so the last quick fire question for you, Mr. Higgins, is why did you pick up the bass? Where did it start? Well, it started when I was um, God, I must have been twelve, thirteen, and I wanted to play guitar. I wanted to play anything, to be honest. Hmm. And then me and my nan went into a guitar shop up in, I think it was like Carlisle. We were like on a family holiday. And I was like, I just saw um, it was a stag bass shaped kind of like a warlock. And me being an edgy 12-year-old <laughs> with like multiple studded belts. Oh, that's the coolest thing ever. That's the one for me. Nan, I want the pointy one. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> but it was an awful instrument. Bloody awful. I, I've not had good experiences with stack. St- I mean, it's like cables and stuff. Yeah, fine. Yeah, their but... cables are great. Like their drum hardware is solid. Their cymbals, actually, the cymbals are actually really good. Oh, yeah, actually, I forgot about that. Yeah, I've, I've known drummers to have lots of stack stuff, actually. Yeah, my old, like the drummer in my old band, Blue Origin, he had a stack endorsement and we literally toured up using the Jewel Hammond series symbols, and they were really good. <laughs> well, I don't want to hear any more about drum stuff. All right, this is a bass podcast. <laughs> Everyone is tu- tuned out. <laughs> um, oh, so it, so it was Nan then that, that you know enabled it all. Yeah, because my mum was all like, "Yeah, you're not playing anything because you won't stick to it." Look at me now, mum. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Ten grand Still in debt for a music degree. <laughs> <laughs> it's great stuff thank you very much okay let's move on to the first question 
question one comes from uh, Stu's Base Culture on YouTube. And uh, Stu's Base Culture from YouTube asks, uh, if Gibson brought out another grabber reissue, would you be interested? Now, um, I think this is a pretty simple answer because it's yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think you've got to be mad to think no, right? Who, yeah, who doesn't I, like a classic Gibson, especially you know, a grabber? Especially if they did it like more accurate to the original spec because my reissue isn't that accurate. Yeah, sure. Because what year is that one? Uh, it is a 2012 yeah. So well, what? Because is that that is that a grabber or a ripper? The one that you've got. Um, it's the grabber, the G three. Oh, of course, yeah. But like the on those original ones, I, I want to see one with a movable pickup. Yeah, they in twenty eleven they did a reissue with the movable pickup. Yeah, I bring it back. Bring it in some classic colors. I want to see a wine red. Oh, the I wine red see. one. Oh, yes, so good. Ever since you know, I've never was into them that much before um watching paramore you know live oh, you know. And, and having jeremy davis on stage who's one of my favorite bass players rocking one i was like oh my god number one that sounds so good number two it just oozes cool man it's just so cool like there's and, actually a cool story about how jeremy started using grabbers because it was just after the they recorded the self-titled album i think it was and it was just in Melville Johnson who produced and recorded the album. And obviously, because the guitars had just left, they needed to really amp it up with bass tones. Mm. And Justin being Justin, like you go into a studio with him and he has like 5,000 different basses. Like everything from Mustangs, Grabbers, everything. Just like a kid in a candy shop. Like. Yeah, so on that album, they started like demoing different basses, different pedal combinations and stuff. And that's when Jeremy started getting into more effects and different basses. Because before, I think he was just a jazz bass kind of guy. Yeah, he's he had um, I think he had P basses back in back in the day. Um, but then yeah, he's gone was all about jazzes, and then he had like a custom. It was almost like a Jaguar with like the horn, um, yeah, removed on it. Um, I remember him having was it the Rascal or the Marauder, something like that. Yeah, I think so. Really weird, but really cool, though. Yeah. Basically, to answer your question, Stu, yes, 100% yes. Gibson, come on. Just give it to us. Even I'll take a Harley Benton one. <laughs> Someone. I just had a thought. A grabber in Pelham Blue. Yes, please. Yes, give it to me right now. Yeah, I want it. I want it. In, I'll take it in... Well, let's have it in purple. There we go. That's that's you sorted. <laughs> All the classic Gibson colours. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be, isn't it? But I I think that one red. I think I'd quite like a natural one, though, or a black one, because they're quite big bodies on them, aren't they? Yeah. Sometimes I think like a black base kind of hides that sometimes, which, you know, whatever is your cup of tea. Whatever tickles your pickle. You know, I, I said tickle your pickle um, to uh, a couple of American friends, uh, Low End Lobster, um, and they had no idea, no idea what I was on about. <laughs> They're like, what? But I guess it's just a, <laughs> an English thing that I didn't realize. Uh, okay, so basically, yes, yes, 100%, yes. Let's move on to the news. 
I feel like I need uh, some bits of paper to like rustle or I mean, I don't want to do this on camera. Um, some paper to rustle around to uh, for the news to be my, get my news anchor hat on. Um, every week we have got, or every two weeks, because this is every other week, this podcast at the minute, we have three different news items or however many there are that week. If it's a slow week, you're only going to get one. If it's a busy week, you're getting as much as I can bloody squeeze in so this week uh it's been a mix of news because we're kind of in the middle or about to go into summer nam so there's kind of some old news and some new news on the precipice of that next time i imagine there's going to be a lot of news from summer nam or i'm hoping so anyway um so we're going to start off with what is actually quite an old story but i thought i did forgot to cover it last time and i thought we could cover it on here with somebody who is very familiar with uh, Dark Glass, uh, and that is obviously the Dark Ray. So for those who don't know, this is Stingray, Ernie Ball, bringing out a base with a distortion overdrive. I think it's the Alpha Omega. Yeah, yeah, it's the Alpha Omega. Yeah, really weird. I don't know how I feel about like essentially pedals in bases or how useful that would be, but really cool to see these companies working together i think i think they need more of that uh to drive like innovation and things like that i think it's really cool but what was your thoughts when you saw them release that like i don't i'm in two minds about it because on the one hand it is cool because people haven't really been doing that since the 70s with those weird electro guitars and basses where they had like the little cartridge that plugged in and they were awful (laughs) <laughs> but it's re- it is really cool seeing Dark Glass and Ernie Ball work together like this. But then it also just seems very very niche. It is indeed, and I know they're doing very limited numbers of uh, of these, especially with the the silver one. I think there's more that they're doing at the black one. I like the black one the best personally. Um, I'm just a bit of a sucker for it though. Um, and yeah, it's I it doesn't appeal to me. Like, I wouldn't buy one just because, obviously, they're so expensive and I'm a cheapskate. Uh, but also, I feel like I like the ability of being able to change up my distortion sound whenever I want with a different pedal. Or, you know, I don't want to be locked into one. And if that's kind of got it on board, then you're kind of stuck with it then. And, you know, obviously, there are two different circuits on there, but that being the Alpha Omega. Um, so you do have a bit of variety. Uh, but, yeah, for me, I don't know... I like to have my distortion and overdrive and all this um, that I can turn on and off. So if I'm going into a heavy section, I can kick it on and, you know, it's just there in an instant. Whereas if you've got it on a switch, you know, if I'm going into a, from like a bridge into a chorus, I can't then go and like switch it on the bass to turn it on. Or I could, but I'd look ridiculous. Yeah, it's Um, it's a bit of a, like not the most practical thing. Also for me, it's also a, like with the signal signal processing, because you're kind of forcing having the distortion first in your chain, which for a lot of people will work. But then if you like compressors or preamps before distortion, it kind of doesn't work. Yeah, you're totally right. I'd not even thought about that side of it as well. Uh, that's a really good point. Yeah, you're kind of stuck to it then. It's, it's at the start. Um, I think uh, Line 6 should... Uh, bring out another variax with just just the hx stomp on board <laughs> just the whole helix in, in your base 
That would be ridiculous. Just, you can imagine. You could, you could decide the whole chain just uh, via your knobs on your base, and then it's there. I, I bet someone could build that themselves, to be fair. There's there's a YouTube video idea. Um, okay, yeah. So a cool innovation, you know, something interesting and new and, you know, fun. A lot of people are excited about it, but, you know, a bit limited and not for everyone. Um, so let's move on to the next bit of news which is uh hot off the press kind of a couple of days ago um a couple of people on instagram sent to me sent this to me straight away and now it's kind of broken the news uh that being the new uh squire paranormal colors that they brought out now this is in uh it was summer nam so like i said we're already starting to get a bit of news squire i like jumping the gun getting their announcement out there first they've now with the paranormal ones these are slightly weird combinations like a, a jazz master body with a telly uh, pickup configuration you know they're like m- mashups of different instruments last time we only got one bass which was the 54 i think it was called 54 jazz bass which is essentially like a 50 50 style p bass uh setup but in a jazz bass with two jazz bass pickups um so it was a really cool base and i i really enjoyed checking that one out uh in my review um but now oh now they have brought it out uh in two new colors which you know maybe this isn't that big of a news item but for me you know it's big news i like i like new colors <laughs> Look, looks or aesthetics are a big thing for instruments for me um and so they've now got this black body mate still the maple neck uh with a what looks like an anodized gold scratch plate uh and then also a uh sunburst with a red tortoiseshell pit guard now the one that everyone's talking about and rightfully so i think so is the black one with the gold scratch plate uh what do you think of these new additions well uh, when i saw them i wasn't like initially when they first came out i wasn't 100 percent sure if i was into them or not because I, I feel like since I've been getting older, I've become more of a traditionalist. But they are really cool because they're quirky, which I enjoy. I'm a sucker for sunburst and torch, which is definitely me becoming an old man. <laughs> yeah, it does so true. Like I used to be like, oh, God, who would ever have that? It's disgusting. And now I'm like, yeah, that's the best. And the same with like Antigua. I used to be like, oh, that is like sick burst, the worst. Now I'm like, Antigua's oh, so yeah. good. I'm like, yeah, give me an antique with jazz all day. <laughs> would you pick the Sunburst one then over the black one? Yeah, I would. But I think that's also partially because my first Fender bass was a it was a Midnight Blue Precision Deluxe with an anodized gold pit guard on it. Yeah, I know the one. PJ configuration? Yeah, with the active preamp in it. Mm. And it was awful. Oh, was it? Yeah, <laughs> I, can, I really struggled with it. Oh, but no. I think getting an active precision base is kind of pointless now looking back at it yeah isn't your sire uh, active yeah but i'd never have the active (laughs) (laughs) it's got the batteries and that it came with like a year ago and then i haven't checked (laughs) (laughs) i find batteries like last such a long time in those things um until until they don't and i had that 
with um, my old Sire M7, where the batteries died on stage. It just, it like pretty much crapped out. The the output was so low. I was like, oh my God, I've broken my amp. The cab's blown. What's happened? And I, you know, thank, thank God it was just a nine volt going, but it that's kind of put me off that kind of setup forever. Because so I was like, I can't be dealing with that anxiety of like, oh, one more thing to go wrong, you know. So I totally get you with like the passive P base thing. I would one hundred percent just want it to be passive. What are we talking about? Um, the P fifty jazz base paranormal. That's right. Not what it's that's called, right. boss. <laughs> so this you know the sign of a good conversation is just when it goes off the rails <laughs> just somewhere else um yeah so some cool new additions i it's still a shame that they only brought out a jazz bass i wish they brought out some kind of p bass i don't know what they do but something yeah, i think I, they could have done something cool i think they if they did went the complete opposite of what they've done with the 50s uh, paranormal jazz if they gave us a jazz bass body with precision bass electronics in it basically kind of like a vintagey looking mark office base yeah i was just thinking the same then that would be really cool i i have been eyeing up um what was that i saw the other day uh it was a japanese aerodyne which is essentially that but with a jazz bass uh pickup in there as well um the aerodynes are lovely but they're just, really thin yeah yeah you know there's nothing wrong with a thin one I, I I have to keep telling everyone that. There's nothing wrong with a thin one. Anyway, that seems like a good time to move on from that. Um, so the last bit of news is one that um, I'm not sure you've seen, but might be of interest to you, is I believe uh, Spectre have a new base. Ooh, uh, a new Eurobolt. Uh, well, two, actually, I believe, because one that came to my attention, I was like, I've not seen this before, is um, one of the... Bantam, 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 Bantams, Bantam. There we go. You, you know, you are the uh, the connoisseur. Um, Bantam five string, which is interesting. Yeah, um, it's a five string short scale. Yeah, well, it's a thirty two inch scale, so it's actually classed as like a medium scale. Um, really strange. Um, what is? Do you have ex- much experience with? I know you've got a short scale as well, but like medium scales as well. Uh, no, I've never actually played one. So I've got the um, the squad, the new Affinity Jaguar arriving. I mean, it should have been here by now, but I think it's arriving next week now. Um, the new, just one with the single humbucker in the Affinity series, um, and that is also a medium scale, and. I'm I'm wondering, like, is this going to be the new trend? Are we going to, you know, we've had short scales around for a while and everyone's doing the short scale thing. Is uh, are people now like going that step further and going, ah, medium scale, that is the best of both. Here we go. Because short scale, I think, I, I really enjoy a short scale. I've got the the, the Gretsch um, junior jet on the wall there. Um, but yeah, interesting for them to do a five string with yeah, a medium scale. Very good because... Every Spectre passing I've played has been a 35-inch scale. Yeah, and that lengthening the scale, you know, it, it makes those strings tighter. Yeah. And hence why you get, like, extended scale basses. Um, it's for that, so you can go low and it it's nice and tight. Whereas when you play a short scale, you notice that the strings tension is... Uh, there's, there's less string tension. So it's, I think it's... I'd really like to play a five-string like that, but I think it would be very weird, and I don't know if it really functions... 
yeah, the way that I personally would want a five string too. It's a weird thing because I know Warwick actually did a short five string short scale streamer. Oh, so this isn't necessarily something new. Then it's just a, a weird thing that's maybe coming. Yeah, back. it's been going on a few like a few different companies have done it. I think. Oh, come someone. One one of the companies that make those is like super fender bases. Right, yeah. One, I think it might have been. I want to say Lackland, maybe. Yeah. Or like a GNL or like a um, Charvel. Yeah, it was something like that, and they released a short scale five string. It might have even been uh, MTD. Thinking about it. Oh, okay. I can't yeah, be sure it was MTD. I mean, I imagine that was very high quality then. Yeah, I can imagine it being fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'd love to be proven wrong, but for me, it's just it seems it seems very strange. It seems a little bit counterintuitive to me. We won't know until we play one. No, but like some people might want that low low B string, but be you know a smaller a smaller scale themselves. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> smaller hands, smaller uh, person might find it difficult you know I, i'm like i've got quite big uh hands so i find my way around a, a big bit of wood you know okay so people with smaller hands might you know maybe there is a market there for, for yeah, that i can um, imagine especially like i've noticed a lot of older players tending to lean towards short scale because they're a bit lighter mm, yeah oh the youtube comments are rife with uh people say uh, asking about the weight because yeah it's it is an important thing and more and more important as you get older because, you know, gone are the days of lifting your, your 810 fridge around and your, and your <laughs> massive heavy bass. I remember I had a rehearsal with my Telecaster. I only used my Telecaster bass for a three-hour rehearsal and I was dying by the end of it. Uh, yeah, you don't realise until you, like, do a gig with it or, like, do a, like, say, a long practice with it and you're like, oh, no, this can't go on. <laughs> right, lovely. So that is the end of the news. Let's move on to another question. So our next question comes from Vance French on Instagram, who says, favorite in is in what is your favorite inexpensive overdrive that doesn't suck out the low end and isn't too fizzy? Now, Danny, being a pedal man through and through and uh, uh overdrives i'm sure you are a connoisseur in in your experience what is one all right let's let's start at the other end actually what is one that you think people should avoid for sucking out the low end honestly i think a lot of tube screamer circuits like mm. tube screamers they kind of just because of how they work and how the circuit works you sort of lose a lot of content below about 100 hertz. For me, with an overdrive or any kind of distortion-type circuit, I want it to be a natural boost to lift it a little bit and push the song a little bit. That's how I like to use um, distortion and overdrive. So sucking out the low end is not something you want at all. You don't want it to drop out when you want it to be impactful. Yeah. In terms of being inexpensive as well, unfortunately, a lot of the affordable ones tend to... You know, that's a common characteristic that they, they tend to do. Um, talk about the Tube Screamers. Um, do you mean the, like, the guitar, just the normal Tube Screamers, or, like, the bass-focused one? Well, the bass Tube Screamer, I think that has a blend control on it as well, which helps mm. with the low-end drop-off. But just with the, how the general Tube Screamer circuit works, you typically do need that, unless it's something like the 
way huge green rhino because green rhino has an active boost at 100 hertz there is the earthquake devices plumes oh yes which I is am. fantastic i so oh, bloody spoiler alert mate I, i've actually got uh two people i know with plumes pedals at the minute who have both said yeah you can borrow it when you want for a review so i'm so excited to get one on because i really like the sound of those pedals i think they're quite transparent sounding one that i think i'd recommend or, or two, two i guess um when i recently checked out the bass soul food from electro harmonics yeah that is a fantastic overdrive. pronounce that really weirdly electro harmonics you know um electro harmonics uh really really nice and it's only like what like 60 78 you know less than 100 pounds it's so cheap i've had people in the comments say that like compare it to a dark glass pedal and be like oh my god that's that's the dark glass sound and that's what i've been wanting but for me i think it sounds a bit more transparent when i say transparent i mean like that you can hear the tone in there like the clean bass tone and so uh, you you can still tell that it's a p bass you know or tell that it's a jazz bass underneath i don't really like um distortion overdrive that takes over too much or like makes it indistinguishable i quite like to have it sonically being quite similar to the clean tone but just adding a bit of dirt on it what um what do you look for in an overdrive uh, to be honest it kind of depends it depends what context i'm using it in because sometimes i want like more of a mid-focused like really boosty grindy punky kind of sound but then other times, like with Dollar, when I use this, like when I use Overdrive, I use my uh, Sonic Gold Effects Beta. Okay. And that's a, bit, a slightly mid scooped and kind of old school sound. It sounds like an SVT. Can't go wrong with an SVT sound. It's, it's very situational for me. Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. And like I say, it, it depends what kind of bass player you are. Because if you're only doing one thing, you know, one band, then you know you need one sound. Maybe, I mean, not really, but you know, you know what I mean? Whereas if like yourself, you're doing multiple different projects, multiple different genres, then you're going to want something or different flavors of different things. So like you say, it's very situational. Um, one that I think is affordable and, and can be situational um, is a pedal that I really regret selling. And that is the Aftershock by um, Source Audio. And that pedal is actually Fuzz overdrive and distortion all in one but it's got just got a little switch to go between them and at the time i didn't really appreciate that uh but oh no sorry no i got that wrong it's distortion but you can go from tube heavy to fuzz so there's fuzz in there as well and that's about 150 pounds and i loved that pedal thought it was really cool so i'd that would be my recommendation that and the base soul food yeah, I think that the Aftershock's fully MIDI compatible as well. So you can basically turn it from one pedal into about 50. Yeah, absolutely. At, at the time when I owned it, I, I never really used any of like that stuff. Source Audio have been doing that for years. I remember it must have been about 10 years ago, I had the Source Audio, it was the multi-wave bass distortion, like one of their OG pedals. And I really didn't appreciate it at the time because it it was just mental. It was mental what they were doing with it. Because they're source audio, they're wizards. They always have been. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got so many cases like that where I'm like, damn, I wish I didn't get rid of that. I suppose we should we should move on. Okay, let's move on to the next segment.
So this segment is a fun one. This segment is called That Tone You Own. So ahead of recording this, I asked our lovely co-host, Danny Higgins, to send me a tone of his uh, that he has created. So it's just isolated bass sounds. I will listen to it in just a minute, and then we'll break down all of the different elements, how we made it, why we made it, what function it serves, etc. Let's have a listen to that tone now. There is a lot to unpack there. There's a lot going on and I can't get over it. It sounds so good. So first of all, what's, what is this from? Uh, this is from one of the new Clockwork singles that will be released. Like I think it's one of the la- last few singles we're releasing of our six. They will be coming out over the next six or so months. So this is like a, a world exclusive. Uh, it sounds really cool. There's loads of effects in there. Um, but first off, let's start off with what you know. What bass is that? Is that the Spectre Euro? Yeah, that's the Spectre. Although it isn't any dark glass on this one because it, we recorded it before I got the dark glass head. So the amp tone on there is it's from the Helix. Ah, okay. So what what is your preferred um, amp on the Helix? I'm I pretty much just merely always end up using the um, Ampeg SVT one because I love that sound. Well, a couple of reasons. I love that sound. It's good for demos because it's like a standard yeah, sound. Everyone that knows know. what an SVT is. Yeah, exactly. And um, and I, I think it's just my favorite on there. What, what amp is that that you're using? Uh, I think I was using the SVT4 Pro. Ah, so the one I was just talking about. <laughs> Brilliant. I did use the SVT4 Pro or the Mesa, oh, like the nice. Mesa 400 Plus that they've got in there. It's yeah, normally yeah. one of those two. So in that um, first section, obviously, is that uh, is that an Octava you've got going on? In there? Yeah, it's a Boss OC2 clone by Veiltone. Oh, Veiltone? I think it's Veiltone. I don't think they've got an E on the end. Let me, let me consult my strap that's on a base that isn't in this room. Oh, no, there it is. Yes, Veiltone with no, no E on the end. Um, Veiltone are, are really cool. Um, they yeah, do some really, pedals. really cool. Like, um, they're one of these like 
you know, Chinese manufacturers uh, that, you know, a lot of people probably dismiss quite quickly. Uh, but actually, I really like the um, the multi effects that, um, that I got from them. Uh, the G something, something. The Helix G one that they did. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. It, it sounded great. You know, there's, there's sounds on there that are super usable. Obviously, not as many functions, not as many things as the Helix. Um, but, you know, for like 120 quid or whatever it is, it's a really good alternative. Going back to your tone, obviously we can't hear what else is going on uh, in that song at that time. What kind of effect are you are you trying to go for in the, in that segment? Well, it's it's sort of the it's a weird layout for a song, if I'm honest, because it's like intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, then like a two minute, two three minutes of outro. <laughs> so that's. The, the bass line I sent you is just after the second chorus. Okay. Where it just drops down to just bass, and then organs come in, acoustic guitars come in. There's, a, like, I think 12 layers of vocals. Whoa. There's a lot going on. I can't wait to hear that. That's going to sound really cool. Um, yeah, nice. And then it goes into this thick, like, what's uh, like a fuzzy sound after that. What is it you're using there? I'm actually using the plumes for that. That are you? I was like, oh yeah, that definitely sounds like a fuzz. <laughs> definitely not a fuzz. Oh, cool. So that so have you got the plumes then? Is that? Uh, yeah, I've had one for a while. Like I picked it up a little bit over twelve months ago, and it was pretty solidly on my pedal board until I got the solid gold effects beta. With that segment, then is that then going? Because you said you're coming out of a chorus. Is are you using that distortion then to go back into a chorus, or is that into like where the verse picks up? Uh, no, because that this is like the outro section of the song. Uh, so okay. basically, just dynamically building up more and more as more instruments come in. Well, it sounds really cool. Um, now, when uh, to my untrained ear, should be a trained ear, ear, ear by now, but um, it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounded like you had some some kind of modulation in there as well. I could um, kind of get little wisps of that. Yeah, I'm using a vibrato pedal. Oh, vibrato on bass, man! It's, it's so me. good. Uh, the boss vb2w why why vibrato why did you make that decision it's a good decision why did you make it well i'm a big fan of uh, juan alderay from like pedals and effects the youtube channel and then he plays in the mars volta marilyn manson beat like so many people he plays with yeah but he often combines an uh, octave down and vibrato and it sort of creates that like 808 sound if you solo just like if you just have the octave down, then with the dry signal coming through, it just sounds huge. And it's almost like a chorus, but not quite. Yeah, because I was struggling to, you know, mix in with the other effects. I was struggling to to figure out what modulation it was. And at times I was second guessing. Like some people at home might think, oh, well, in a mix, you know, even less you'd hear that. But I bet in that mix that's not sticks out in a bad way, but like just really adds to the the feel of, of that segment in that. Uh, it really seems to, it, I really feel like it complements the organ because mm. Oxus Adam, who played organ on the song as well, he has like a proper old Hammond, like the proper one with the magnetic spinny stuff in it. Yeah, no way. I think you can say, like, yeah, we went down to the church and uh, <laughs> whipped whipped old uh, granny off the organ and uh, yeah, just let rip. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to hear that full song and that segment uh, within there because I, I, I can tell that it's, you know, 
sounds like it's well thought out all those uh, effects that are on there there are some other bits that you're going to love like there's a bit where i'm using the source audio manta envelope filter with the hot hands it's um imagine like an expression pedal but on a motion sensor ring oh sorry it's a, it's yes the navarro like no like, way you you found a way to use that in a song that is so good i'm using that in the second verse of the song and there's yeah. some parts of it where i have like a 16th uh hard tremolo like a hard tremolo so it's set up for 16th notes and it just starts chopping that up and it sounds ridiculous oh. and fantastic I think I think modulation is, you know, a chorus is used quite a lot, but I think other modulation is quite underused on bass. It can really add to the the vibe and the feel. But when I did my I did a video on like the top five um, you know, modu- modulation effects for bass. And even then, like that video broadened my horizons because I'd I'd never really bothered that much with some of them before. I'm normally quite a straight, you know, compressed, clean tone kind of sound guy. But uh yeah, I, it's so good, and it's it's awesome to hear that you know someone's actually making use of them within a, a full you know band mix. I think that's really cool. Um, before we move on to the uh, the next bit, um, obviously you are a big user of Helix stuff, um, and all of those effects would be in the Helix in in some regard. But you're you're obviously using lots of pedals with it. So yeah. why is that? Well, there's, I feel like there's some things that the Helix does really, really well. But then there's other things where, personally, I just prefer the feel of the of the, yeah, of the pedal and the knobs. Like, yeah. with the octave thing, the, the Veilton octave I've got is a Boss OC2 clone. Mm. So it's a very, very dubby sound in, in the club, glitchy octave, which the Helix doesn't do because it's, it's digital. So the all the octaves in the helix are really nice, clean and pristine sounding, which yeah. wasn't the vibe I wanted with that octave down sound. Yeah, I, I think that's a totally you know valid answer. Um, you know, some people might just want to get like like an HX stomp for that's it. They've got everything they need all in one. That's done. But you're, you're totally right that it does some things brilliantly, and then some things not so good for like for me. Um, I don't really like any of the compressors that are on there. I tend to use the Rochester comp a lot. I, I've had some good luck with that one. Yeah. I like need to dive back and in. the LA comp as well, which is an LA-2A, but LA-2A yeah. is dead easy to use. Yeah, the LA was like the was my go-to. Um, but then I got the um, Origin FX Cali 76. And since oh, then I, I haven't really... It's, it's cool, man. It's a bloody cool pedal. Expensive. I would not buy one new. <laughs> I rarely buy anything new, though. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thank you so much for that breakdown of the tone. That's really interesting, and I think uh, a lot of people can be excited to to hear that song, myself included. Uh, what What is that song going to be called? Uh, that song is called No Waters. Amazing. And you don't know when it's coming out yet. I think if if everything goes according to plan, it should come out November. When we're meant to be on tour, I think. Well, fingers crossed. That's I still really have things that, pending uh, and COVID. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the C word. Um, I, well, I really hope that all goes to plan because I want to hear it. So, okay. Moving on to our final question, which forms the big base debate. 
this week's big base debate. Um, this is a question from uh, Gabriel Gazzotti. I'm so sorry if I have butchered your name. Um, I probably do it every every time, so maybe I should just start doing it on purpose. Eh? Um, Gabriel on YouTube who asks, uh, he says, now you've got a five string in your hands. Uh, would you recommend it to those who have always played four string? Cheers. Uh, thank you very much for the question. Uh, so, yeah, so this, you know, I recently got a five string for the first time owning one. I've played five strings before, you know, but I've not had such an extended period of time with one before. Um, I'd never really had a use for one before because I'd always been in bands where, you know, I haven't really felt like I've needed the low B before. However, now stepping into the world of five strings, it's like a whole new world, you know, um, to quote Aladdin. Uh, and my eyes have been opened to the possibilities and realms that are within five string. Um, now, Danny, you are obviously your, what is one of your top three bases? That's better is a five string. I think your P base is a five string as well, isn't it? Yeah, Sire? It is. yeah you, you are a connoisseur of both the four and the five. Um, did you start on a four string? Yeah, I started with four. I, yeah. I only got a five string about two years ago, I think. Oh, really? How did you find that transition? Honestly, I thought I found it quite relatively easy because, and before that, I had bases that I tuned down a fourth, fifth. Like I tuned them B E A D. Yeah. Okay. So I was kind of used to the lower positionings. It, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because sometimes. I like it in songs and a lot of um, older Paramore stuff. We keep going back to Paramore. <laughs> uh, I could do that all day. Um, some of the older Paramore stuff seems to do to utilize like a low B in the recordings, I think, because there's some super low notes in some of the really old songs uh, where uh, in a section, if it's, say it's doing the same thing in the verse or the set to the chorus, you know, uh, same line, then just going from playing it like essentially an octave higher to then utilizing that low B can really add some oomph to a section. And it's things like that that really attracted me to a five string. It is a bit of a learning curve. Like it does take yeah. a couple of sessions of sitting down and playing it to get used to it, I think. Not just with the string spacing, but like it depends on your playing style, I think. Because, uh, you know, I play very hard with a pick and... I, I like to think my articulation is pretty good across the strings, but then when you add another one in and you're trying to play lines that you play on the four string normally, you're like, oh, 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 where's, oh my God, where's that? Or like, oh, I'm treating the E, the B string like the E string, you know? So it takes getting used to, but once you kind of uh, look at it a different way, almost like rebuild the song around that, having that low B, I think it's quite easy to get used to. Now, would you recommend, so if people that are starting bass, would you recommend that they start on a four or a five? Oh, no, that's a question. Because I think if you start on a five string, you become very used to it. And that makes playing fours, uh, four strings a struggle. Oh, I thought you were going to go the other way then. I thought you were going to say it makes four strings then, uh, you know, uh, you know, easier. Because you're no. doing like the, quote, harder one first. I think that because I, I now I'm very used to being able to play across two octaves in one hand position, mm. which is a big advantage of a five string. But if you weren't to play like that, and then you're thrown into a gig where you have to use a four string, 
and you don't have that like low e on the fifth fret you're going to be a little bit lost i i think um five strings are very like functional and they need to be functional like if you need to go down to that low b to to um if it meets the needs of the song or if the guitars are tuned lower and you want to beef it out then i think that's where it really works or if like you need need a five string you know because you know that jacko only had four you know that's a lie Um, (laughs) yeah come on (laughs) um so uh I don't know where I was going with that point now, but yeah, it's it's definitely a um, it's definitely a, a bit of a, a a learning curve. I would recommend if you've always had four strings, um, trying a five string or getting yeah. and, and not just trying one in a shop because talking from personal experience, that's all I had done before, and I was always put off because I was like, oh, this is like oh, you know that that initial learning curve. I was like oh no like oh this is too weird now nah, i'm not doing this um and it's you know it's a big investment to make if you if you're gonna buy one you've got to want to use it and, and get used to it i think it's all about practice and when you do um if you've already know how to play a four string and you go to a five string and play it for a couple of weeks or a couple of days you know whatever um then when you go back to the four string i you know i felt even more articulate um in terms of watching out on string spacing and uh, muting strings and accidentally hitting other strings when I'm strumming, you know, things like that. Um, so I'd recommend going, if you're going to get a five string is don't just try one in a shop and dismiss, dismiss it, actually give it a good go. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do need a couple of weeks with them to get used to the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, it, it's weird as well, because when you play things on, like an, an E or a D that's on a, on a four string, that note can feel quite boomy sometimes. If you're playing that same string on a five string, it doesn't feel boomy at all because you've got that low B. Um, maybe it's just a thing that's in my head, but yeah. No, I, I think that. it's something to do with the electronics because I've noticed that sometimes on my four strings, the E can sound boomy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't on my five strings. Is that to do with like the magnet position in, in the pickup? Yeah, I think it might be. I think they might compensate for having the lower string, and then that obviously affects how the E string sounds. At least yeah. with pickup design and stuff, I think. Of course, yeah. That's really interesting. I'd I'd never really thought about that before. I thought it was all in my head. <laughs> but that's why, you know, that's why we have these guests on this podcast. So they can educate me. That's all this is about. It's a totally selfish thing where like just need to be taught (laughs) i refuse to do it myself gabriel might be thinking of getting a five string let's add a little bit extra on here for him um affordable five strings what do you think would be a good place to start or a first one i really rate the size stuff like every single every side base i've had has been really good you because you've got a um you got a V3 as well, haven't you? Uh, yeah, and I did briefly own a V7 fretless. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wish I didn't have to sell that. Such a <laughs> <laughs> <The> regrets. <laughs> but it's always to fund more gear, right? That's that's what you tell yourself. Oh, it's for a new audio interface. So not, the, oh, not even that's, the gear. that's not exciting at all. I mean, worthwhile, but not exciting. Yeah, side stuff. And that's a five string that you... Oh, no, you've got the four string, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I've got the four string V3 and then the five string P7. Yeah. So I think that's a great shout, to be fair. Um, I've not tried the five string V3 
before. Um, but if it's anything like Sire's other ones, then yeah, it's pretty good. It's all about the tension on that on that low B for me. I think I think that's what uh, I always look for. At time recording, as video has gone out an hour ago, um, was my video on the Jackson Spectra bases. They're about three three hundred and sixty odd pounds. Really good five string. Um, I really like it. Um, I think it definitely competes, and if not beats. Uh, Ibanez's at that same price range. Ooh, I, I was going to suggest Ibanez as well for the budget piece. I played an Ibanez SR505 before, which was nice. It was like it was nice. It felt really good for the money. And I think Patrick Hunter has one, and he really rates his. I was just going to say, yeah, I think he does. And the thing I like about that Jackson is that the preamp for an affordable bass is really, really good. Um, like loads of usable tones and nice and crisp i don't know if that's helped at all in the slightest but food for thought nonetheless so that was the big base debate for this week and all of our questions thank you so much to everyone that uh submitted them throughout the week and leading up to this podcast let me know in a comment down below uh if you're listening on youtube or if you're listening on spotify or something maybe just give me a dm on instagram that's at johnny dibble and just let me know uh what you think about this podcast and what's uh other guests you want to get on here you know do you want to see danny again uh please be nice please please be nice i know it's hard i know it's hard it doesn't make it easy but you know <laughs> uh, be nice and uh yeah i'd love to have uh danny back on the show again the great thing about this is that we can do that it's rotating we can have people back on that's the beauty of it so if you've got any questions specifically for danny fire them down in the comments below and when he's back on because you'll come back on right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Or why not? Um, yeah. So, you know, we could do this again and it'll be a, a bloody great time. So, Danny, tell the people where can they find you? What are you up to? What do you want them to do? Okay. So, probably the best place to find me on social media is on Instagram. Uh, Johnny mentioned my Instagram earlier, and that's at Higgins underscore bassist. Other than that, I'd probably check out um, at Clockwork Band at generations underscore metal i think i'm really bad at social media uh, <laughs> at dollar jade uk amazing i'll pop all of that don't worry everyone i'll put it all in the in the description <laughs> i do thank you so much for coming on danny uh it's been a great time cheers for having me johnny these are every other week at the minute we might do them every week eventually who knows thank you so much for listening and See you next time. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.